Welcome to the Fall Bible Institute. We normally do this in the summertime, but it was such a big, uh, a big hit, I guess you'd call it. Some people liked it. So we started to do one in the fall, too. So it's for six weeks, and I'm glad to have you here tonight. I have a notebook, but please listen. I made a notebook for everyone who signed up. If you did not sign up, I have to note for you next week. So for all those who sign up, can I have maybe Larry and Patrick? Or maybe I'll tell you what, we'll use Brother uh, Tinley and Patrick. If you, come. if you signed up, if your name is on the sign-up sheet, raise your hand, and we'll get, have them give you a... One of those who raised their hand. I'm sorry. Yes. I would say. Okay, we'll go ahead and take one. I don't see a name on here, though. But you're right, you did call in. Go ahead and take a couple. I made a couple extras. Okay, uh, if you signed your name, did you sign up? If you did not sign up, do not take a notebook, please. <laughs> what? Anybody else that signed up? They, they did. Give one both and they got two. Okay, we have some left. All right, take the rest of them and pass them out. <laughs> Our bossy, you said? I'll give you a red-headed wig. <laughs> oh, excuse me. All right, <laughs> if you didn't get one, raise your hand. For those who didn't show up, that signed up, missed out. <laughs> I will make up some more for next week. Again, we have, we're going to have blinks and you've got to fill out. You're going to use your lap. If you're not comfortable with that, we have TV trays over here you could take to your seat and use that to uh, put your notebook on to write on if you want that. If you want to use your lap, that's fine too, but that's a, I, I find that a lot easier for me. Anyone else? How many got left? How many got left? You're just passing them out to everybody. Give a, <laughs> got one left. Anyone who does not have one? In the very back. Okay, I hope you have your Bibles with you. We will turn to scripture, some scriptures. Oh, I'm going to... Uh, Patrick, come, if, come here, please. I don't want to be bossy again. <laughs> he said I was real bossy. Go ahead and pass this around. This is the attendance sheet. If your name is on it, put a check mark beside it on the date there. If your name is not on it, please put your name on it and I'll, for next week. <clears throat> Okay, if you would, keep the uh, clipboard pass around. Once you fill it out, look at someone behind you and hand it to them. 
Or unless you're rich, if you want to pass it around for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, let's begin with a prayer. Before we start our actual uh, PowerPoint, I'm going to have you know, I have a video I'm going to show you. It's about a five-minute video, a video that I have found this excellent uh, presentation of the tabernacle. Then we'll get into the PowerPoint, which I have, and which goes along with the notebook that you have in your lap. So let's begin with prayer. Uh, first of all, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I hope our time together, this again, will be for six weeks, and hope we can get it all covered in six weeks, but hopefully it'll be a blessing to you and give a greater understanding of Moses' tabernacle that God instructed him to build in the Old Testament while they wandered through the wilderness. So let's bow together, please, and ask for God's blessing, and we'll get started. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the Bible that tells us so much about history, about us today, and what we have to do, especially how we can know for certain heaven's our home, simply by trusting Christ as our Savior. Father, I pray you bless upon the study of the tabernacle, and we see how it was presented and built in the Old Testament, and how each of, part of it is symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how what he did for us on the cross. So bless our time together, fast in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, give me just one second here as I get this set up for the video. I could not hook up the sound from my computer to the uh, speakers up here, so I'm using the pulpit mic, so hopefully you can hear it. Is this on? Okay. Of the whole tabernacle, the menorah, 
a lampstand with three branches that rose on each side to create a total of seven lamps. This solid gold lampstand weighed about 75 pounds. Each lamp was a small cup that the priest would fill with oil to fuel the light. Each branch in the middle of the shaft had almond blossoms. The menorah served a most practical purpose. It was the only source of light in the tent, an eternal light that was never to go out. Also in the tent stood a wooden table covered with gold. On it was to always remain the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence symbolizes God's desire to be with his people. Incense was to burn continuously on the altar. God instructed the priests to replenish the incense every evening and morning. A curtain separated the holy place from the holy of holies. The menorah, the altar of incense, and the bread of the presence were all in the holy place, but outside this veil. Like the curtains covering the tent of meeting, this veil was blue, purple, and scarlet, with cherubim, a kind of angel. Beyond the veil, at the far end of the tabernacle, was the ark. The ark was a wooden box covered with gold. It was nearly four feet long. Its width and height were about two feet three inches. Like the altar, the ark had rings and poles so the Israelites could carry it as they traveled. Within the ark were the two stone tablets on which God had written the Ten Commandments. Later, it contained a sample of manna and the rod that bloomed to reinforce Aaron's leadership. The mercy seat was the ark's lid and features prominently on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. At each end stood a cherub facing the other with its wings outspread. This cover was made of solid gold. The priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on this mercy seat, symbolizing that the nation's sins were covered for another year. While only the high priest would see it, the mercy seat was the key symbol of atonement that God would forgive his people. Though daily sacrifices on the altar were necessary for payment of sin, it was only through the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement that the stain of sin was washed away. While priests had to make repeated sacrifices, one man offered a sacrifice to atone for sin once and for all. When Jesus the Messiah died, he sprinkled his own blood before God, securing atonement forever for all who would trust in him. Jesus cleanses us, makes us pure, and enables us to rightly approach the Lord. He tore the veil that kept distance between Israel and the Lord. God dwelt among the Israelites through a tent. Now, he dwells within his people through the Spirit. If you get, take out your notebooks and get them ready. We're going to study the whole tabernacle, not tonight, of course, but uh, during the next six weeks. Each piece of furniture that you saw there 
We're going to cover those, what they were for, and how they each one represent the Lord Jesus Christ, and go all the way into the tabernacle itself, and uh, into the uh, Holy of Holies. We'll end up there in our study uh, of this wonderful piece of, uh, of furniture. So we're going to, tonight we're going to begin with the introduction of the tabernacle. Uh, next week we're going to look at the, what is called the courtyard. The courtyard uh, we're going to show you in just a moment. Then we're going to talk about the tabernacle itself is divided in two, two uh, compartments. One was called the holy place. And then the most holy place are called the holy of holies, where God dwelt. Then if time allows us, we're going to talk about the high priest and what part he had in his business with the tabernacle. So let's begin tonight talking about the introduction to the tabernacle. That's where you're, you should have that in your notebook. We're going to look at the introduction here. So let's begin. First of all, God commanded Moses to build the tabernacle, something he was commanded to build. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Exodus chapter 25, please. Exodus chapter 25. If you don't have a Bible, you encourage you to borrow one for the service. Exodus is the second book of your Bible. We've got Genesis, Exodus. Someone once told me, he said, Pastor, you insult our intelligence about the Bible by telling where the books are at. Uh, those who are just beginning to learn the Bible are very appreciative of me telling them where the books are at. I can remember a time I did not know the Bible very well, though I was saved for many years. I trusted Christ as Savior as an eight-year-old boy, but went to a Bible study when I was in my 20s. And all I knew where was the book of Genesis was and the book of Revelation. I didn't know the books in between. In fact, the, <laughs> the teacher jokingly, he said, turn with me to the book of Hesitations. And I tried to find it. I couldn't find it <laughs> until he started laughing and said, it's not in the Bible. That's a joke. So maybe if I told you to turn to the book of Hesitations, you might try to find it too. But anyway, Exodus chapter 25, we're going to look in verse 1, please. Exodus 25, verse 1. Here's God's command to Moses to build what we're going to study, the tabernacle. Chapter 25, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, he shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold, silver, and brass, and blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine linen, and goat's hair. And ram skin dyed red, and badger skin, and shittim wood. Oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for sweet incense. Ox, onyx uh, stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them, according to all that I shall show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the instruments thereof even so you shall, shall you make it. So here's God's command. Anybody know when God gave him the pattern and the instructions to build the tabernacle? When he was on Mount Sinai, when he got the Ten Commandments, God also gave him a pattern. And by the way, the pattern was after that in heaven. The true tabernacle was in heaven itself. And he told uh, uh, Moses to build it after the pattern which he should give him on Mount Sinai. Next, the tabernacle was a movable tent. 
they moved quite often. Every time they moved through the wilderness, they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years. Remember that? And they would they'd pitch tent for a while, and then they'd get up and move. So it was a movable tent that they'd move around with them as God led them through the wilderness. Next, God wanted to dwell among his people, the Israelites, in order to have fellowship with them. That's what God longs to do. God longs to dwell with his people and have fellowship with us. By the way, do you long to have fellowship with God? I pray that you do. But that's uh, God wanted to dwell among his people, Israelites, in order to have fellowship with them. And if you can look in Exodus 25, hope you still got your Bible open there, in verse 8. Here's the reason why he instructed Moses to build the tabernacle. Now, if I start moving too fast, just say, slow down, Pastor, okay? Exodus 25, verse 8. He said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may, what? Dwell among them. Look in verse 22, please. And there, at the sanctuary, the tabernacle, I will meet with thee, I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are in the ark of the testimony, and of all things which I will give thee in a commandment unto the children of Israel. So God longs to dwell with his people. He longs to commune and fellowship with us. Even today, God longs to fellowship with you. We'll talk more about that in our study tonight. Here is a little layout of the diagram of the whole tabernacle. What I'm going to do, I have a little green light here. Look over to your left. I can't do it on both sides. Here is a, the diagram of it. This is the fence around the di uh, uh, tabernacle. Over here is the gate where they walked into it. When they first came in, they saw the called a bronze or brazen altar where the sacrifices and animals were made. From there, between the altar and the tabernacle itself was a bronze laver where the priests washed their feet and hands. Before they could go into the tabernacle and do any kind of uh, work, they had to make sure they were clean, uh, wash their hands and feet. Now, once they got in the tabernacle, the tabernacle itself had two compartments. Here's the tabernacle itself. When you first walk in the tabernacle right here, over to the left had the golden lampstand. You probably saw a picture of that in that video. To the right, they had a table of showbread, and straight before them was the altar of incense. We're going to talk about each one of these pieces of furniture in our study. Then the second compartment was called the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, right here. Inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. That's where God dwelt. The lid of the Ark of the Covenant had two figurines of two cherubim angels, that represents the mercy seat. That's what represented God's throne in heaven. There was a veil between the two. Any priest could come into this part of the tabernacle, but only the high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies. Interesting. When he went there once a year on the Day of Atonement, he always had to have blood from the altar, from the sacrifice that was made. He would go in there and spring blood, sprinkle blood upon the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, to atone for the sins of Israel. If for some reason the high priest went into this place without blood from the sacrifice, God struck him dead. Being symbolic, the only way to approach a holy God is through a sacrifice. And what sacrifice do we approach God with? 
that the Lord Jesus Christ and through his shed blood. And so I read somewhere, those, uh, by tradition, that they had to tie a rope around the ankle of the high priest before he went in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go in there once a year. Once he went in, he would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat. Then he could leave. But if he went in there and without the blood and struck dead, the other priest had to drag him out by the rope because no other person was allowed in the presence of God but the high priest. And so uh, they, they took that very serious. And so we're going to talk about all that in our study. All right, let's continue in your notes there. The tabernacle and its courtyard were constructed according to the pattern set by God in Exodus. We read about that. 25 says, make it after the pattern which you shall show thee on the mount. On Mount Sinai, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he also gave the instructions to build this tabernacle. And they were constructed according to the pattern. He told them exactly what to do with each piece of furniture and so on. Now, there's a question for you. Remember the Israelites, once they left Egypt, they were slaves for over 400 years. Yet in the wilderness, God says, bring your gold, your silver, and all this stuff to build a tabernacle. Where did they get it from? The Egyptians, right before they left. I may want to show you that verse later in our study. The, the Egyptians gave them all kinds of gold and silver to take with them. And, and God used that. And remember, they, they told them to bring that as a free will offering. They willingly offered it of themselves, and God used all that to build the tabernacle. We study the tabernacle to understand God's pattern of worship. We're going to see the pattern of worship in the tabernacle is the same as today. We're going to show you how the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled everything that the tabernacle demanded of the Israelites. <clears throat> the tabernacle shows how sinful man, sinful people can have fellowship with the holy God. The tabernacle shows how sinful people can have fellowship with a holy God. I will pause a moment and say, get that filled out. I tell you what, once you get it filled out, look at me. So I know you got it done, okay? Thank you. Again, if I move too fast, and maybe the person beside you to share with you with the blank there. Next, the tabernacle was in the center of Israelite camp. Remember, there were estimated over 2 million Jews that left Egypt. They were across the Red Sea that are now in the wilderness. And, and as they camped in the wilderness, right in the middle of their camp, God told Moses to place this tabernacle. He actually gave him instructions on what side of the tabernacle which certain tribes would be camped. On one side of the tabernacle, the certain uh, the 12 tribes were told to camp, and, and so on. If we have time, we'll cover that also. The 12 tribes of Israel were encamped around, around the tabernacles, right in the midst of uh, the encampment of over 2 million Jews. So chances are there were a lot of tents in the midst of all those 
with the tabernacle because God wanted to dwell in the midst of his people, that all people could have access to the tabernacle. If you put it on the far end of one side, some people have to walk further than others. So he put it right in the midst of them. All people would come to him. It was Israel's, the tabernacle was Israel's spiritual center for 500 years until Solomon's temple. 50 chapters in the Bible discuss the tabernacle. It was Israel's spiritual center for 500 years. Once the Solomon built his temple, then all the pieces of furniture of the tabernacle was moved into the temple that Solomon built. All right, anybody did not get the, the sign-up sheet? Everybody got it over here? If you did not get it, okay, right there. They did not get it. Did y'all get it? Got it, oh, okay, okay. Again, this is just the introduction of our study. The tabernacle was built using valuable materials such as gold, silver, bronze, precious woods, and rare cloth. We saw that when God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle. He asked the people of Israel to come voluntarily to offer these materials to build the tabernacle that he may dwell therein. Gold, silver, bronze, and precious woods. Rare cloth was used to build this tabernacle. The gold in the tabernacle totaled over one metric ton. In modern times, modern terms, the cost would exceed millions of dollars. In fact, today I looked on the internet and I said, how much value is one metric ton of gold? It said $67 million. <laughs> That's what it's worth today. $67 million of gold value today they used to build the tabernacle. Offerings from the Israelites provided all the materials. If you would please, if you turn to your Bible, to the book of Exodus chapter 35, we can see Israel bringing the offerings to the Lord. Exodus 35, please. In chapter 35, let's back up in verse 21. You'll see that people came willingly. God did not make them do this. He said to offer willingly to the Lord. It's in verse 21 of Exodus 35. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service for the holy garments. And they came, both men and women, and many were of willing heart and brought bracelets, earrings, rings, and tablets, jewels of gold. Every man they, that offered, uh, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Every man with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, goat's hair, 
and redskins and uh, rams and badger skins brought them. Verse 24, everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. Every man with whom was found shittim wood, another word is acacia wood, for any work, and the service brought it. And all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun of the blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. All the women whose heart stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers brought ox, onyx stones, stones to be set for the ephod and the breastplate, talking about the high priest, and spice and oil for light and the anointing oil and a sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring all the manner of the work which the Lord had commanded to be made at the hand of Moses. So notice all the material was supplied by the Jewish people, but they brought it willingly. He said those of a willing heart. God's the same way today. God doesn't command us to give. He wants us to come with a willing heart, to give willingly out of our hearts, out of our love for him. The same was true back then. The tabernacle was a shadow of things in heaven. The pattern that Moses, God gave Moses was a pattern of the tabernacle in heaven. We're going to see in our study that there is an altar of incense, there's a table of showbread, there's the mercy scene in heaven. And evidently God showed him, maybe gave him a, a written pattern, or maybe showed him a vision of it, but he built it after the pattern of that which is in heaven itself. In fact, if you read Revelation chapter 1, where John saw a vision of Jesus Christ, when he saw him, he was standing by the altar of incense in heaven which was made, Moses made one for the tabernacle after that. The tabernacle foreshadowed the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. You get a chance to read Hebrews chapter 9. It talks all about the tabernacle and how it foreshadowed what Christ did for us. We're going to see all that they did in the tabernacle was symbolic of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. The real tabernacle is in heaven, where Jesus himself, as our high priest, is as our high priest. So if you still have your Bibles, go with me now to the book of Hebrews. I want to show you this. The real tabernacle is in heaven. The one Moses built was built after the pattern of that, which is in heaven itself. Hebrews chapter 8, please. Hebrews chapter 8. Again, if I don't have a church Bible to give you the page number, but I tell you what I did when I first started in the Bible, I used the table of contents a lot. The table of contents tell you exactly what where page each book is on. And do not feel ashamed to do that. Every one of us started at the beginning somewhere learning the Bible. Hebrews chapter 8. Notice it talks about the tabernacle that's in heaven. Chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8, in verse 1. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest, talking about the Lord Jesus, who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the what? True tabernacle. 
which the Lord pitched and not men. So the tabernacle on earth, Moses pitched. But there's a tabernacle in heaven that God pitched. Verse 3. And every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is not of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Verse 4. For if he were of the earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests to offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto an example of the shadow of what? Heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the what? Pattern show to thee where? In the mount, on Mount Sinai. So when Moses went to Mount Sinai, remember he was up there for 40 days, God gave him the Ten Commandments, but also gave him a diagram, a pattern, maybe a blueprint of the tabernacle in heaven to build it here on the earth. So the tabernacle on earth was built after the pattern of one in heaven. Next, the tabernacle was called by different names. Some of these, I'll have the scripture written out for you. There are many different names given the tabernacle. I'm going to show you some of them at this time. First of all, it was called a tent. Very practical. A temporary place, not a permanent dwelling. The one that Mo, uh, Solomon built was permanent in Jerusalem. Remember that? That was a permanent dwelling. But the one Moses built was a tent that had to be, be able to uh, take it up and move it as they, they wanted through the wilderness. Exodus 39, 32. Thus will all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation finish. Again, it's called a tent. Another name. Sanctuary. It was called a sanctuary. The place set apart for the dwelling of God among his men. God told Moses to build this because God said, I want to dwell among my people. And he did so in the tabernacle, specifically in the holy place, the Holy of Holies, on the Ark of the Covenant. Because remember the lid of the Ark of the Covenant had two cherubims with their wings spread out? That's a picture of heaven. In heaven, the mercy seat is the throne of God. Over the throne of God are two cherubims. Now, if you read Isaiah chapter 6, you have angels called seraphims. Their seraphims, remember, had six wings, and they flew around the throne of God crying, Holy, Holy, Holy. But over the throne of God itself, there were two cherubims. Now, cherub is singular. Cherubim is plural. And the two angels that hovered over the very throne of God, the wings hovered over God's throne. Now, where else do we find cherubim in the Bible? You remember when God cast out Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden? He, at the entrance of the Garden of Eden, he put two cherubim there to protect, to keep them out of there unless they take of the tree of life. But also, let me ask you a question. Who in the Bible is called the anointed cherub? Lucifer, Satan. Before he fell, he was one of the cherubim that hovered over the throne of God. He was called the anointed cherub. And evidently he believed that he was one of the ones who hovered over the throne of God before he became lifted up in pride and fell. But he was one of the anointed cherubs that hovered over the throne of God. When you see the, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the two angels with the wings outstretched, think about one time one of those was Satan. Now, Satan was his fallen name, 
but his unfallen name was Lucifer. It means a uh, son of light. Exodus 28, verse, 25, verse 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Another name, tabernacle. Of course, that's what we're studying. Tabernacle means the abode or the residence of God. The abode or residence of God. Interesting. Let me ask you. Remember the tabernacle was built so God could dwell among his people. How about in the New Testament? How about during the time of Christ? How did God dwell among his people? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. God has always longed to dwell among his people. John chapter 1. In the Old Testament, he dwelt among his people in the tabernacle of Moses, then also in the temple of Solomon. But during the time of Christ, in John chapter 1, let's begin in verse 1, please, so you can see who I'm talking about. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was the beginning of God. Now, who's the Word? The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you skip over to, with me to verse 14, and the word, now we saw the word back in verse 1 was God. Verse 14, the word was made, what? Flesh, and what? Dwelt. By the way, the word dwelt means tabernacled. Tabernacled among us. So how did God dwell among his people during the time of Christ? In the person of Christ. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. So God, in the Old Testament, dwelt among his people in the tabernacle. In the time of Christ, he dwelt among God, among men in a human body. Jesus Christ was God. He was made flesh, the word dwelt among them, and said, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, Father full of grace and truth. How about today? How does God dwell among us today? I'm glad you asked. Go with me now to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We live in such a special time, unlike any of the Old Testament saints had ever experienced. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 19. So in the Old Testament, God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle of the temple. The time of Christ, he dwelt among men in a human body, Jesus Christ. But today, how does he dwell among us? Look in verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know you not that your body is the what? Temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have a God, and ye are not your own. So how does he dwell among us today? In us. When you trusted Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, which is God himself, took up permanent residence in you. Wow. In the Old Testament, the temple of the tabernacle, time of Christ, and a human body, Jesus Christ. But today, what you see here, your, oh, yourself, your body, that's God's tabernacle. That's God's. You are. 
That's where God's chosen to dwell. Notice how he gets more personal all the time from a temple, tabernacle, a human body. Now your body is the very temple of God. God takes up permanent residence in the life of the believer and he'll be with you forever. Notice here, we see the name tabernacle, Exodus 33, verse 9. And it came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, that's the name given there, a cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. During the daytime, God dwelt in the tabernacle by a cloud. In the nighttime, he dwelt there as a pillar of fire. So the people always could see the presence of God. That over the very tabernacle, over the Holy of Holies, during the daytime, there was a cloud there. And the nighttime was a pillar of fire. Now think about this. God cares for his people. What is the temperature like out in the desert in the daytime? As the people traveled, began to move, God hovered over all his people by a cloud, protecting them from this ray, the sun. How is the temperature at nighttime? It's cold. So God appeared as a pillar of fire. God put out fire and heat for his people. God takes care of his people, doesn't he? How many say God's taking care of you? He does it all the time. He provided heat, provided shelter of his people. Next, the tabernacle was called by different names. Another name, the tabernacle of the congregation. The tabernacle of the congregation. This reveals that there was only one true congregation which the Lord came to dwell among in the Old Testament times, the Jewish people. The Jewish people were God's chosen people. Of all the people God could have chose, he chose the Jews. How many have been keeping up with what's going on over in Israel now and how people, even in our own country, are so much against the Jews, which is terrible. My friend, the Jews are God's chosen people. And the Bible says, Whom, whoever bless the Jews, God will bless them. Whoever curse the Jews, God will curse them. I'm grateful, as much as he does now, that our president is still favorable to Israel. But if our president ever turns against Israel, watch out. God will turn his back on us. So whoever you vote back into the president, make sure they are always pro-Israel. Even though we see people and different uh, universities around there uh, praising Hamas and, and against the Jewish people. And you see what Hamas did to the Jewish people and how they butchered them, how terrible it was. How can anyone be for uh, Hamas? I don't know. But the Jewish people are God's people. You say, why are so many people against the Jews today? I believe it's satanic. Because Satan's against the Jews, always has been. And we see people going against Jews who are the innocent bystanders in that attack. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's terrible. But you didn't come to hear that. Let's move on. Next, here's the verse for this. Leviticus 1, verse 1. And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation. That's the other name. I'll give you another name. The tabernacle of the Lord. The tabernacle of the Lord. This expression separated the tabernacle from all other dwelling places because it was the Lord's dwelling place. God chose to dwell among Israel in the tabernacle. This is called the tabernacle 
the dwelling place of God. We see this in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 20, And Joab fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord, and caught hold on the horns of the altar. Even the book of Kings was referred to as the tabernacle of the Lord. Am I going too fast? Not fast enough? That's right. Another name, tabernacle of testimony. Tabernacle of testimony. Within the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, was a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant, where three things were in the Ark of the Covenant. You probably heard about it in that video. There were the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, tablets of testimony, Aaron's rod that budded, and a pot of manna. The Ark of the Covenant contained each one of those. These were a testament of God's holiness, the need to approach him in the right way, and a reminder of sustaining provision of God. We'll talk more about that as we, goes on, as we go on. But as a testimony, the, the way to approach God. The Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded. Do you remember when, uh, when God chose the Levites to be the priest? There were many other uh, uh, I mean, uh, Jews that wanted also to have the, uh, uh, be a priest also. And so men from each tribe came to approach Moses and said, you take too much authority upon yourself, and we think other people ought to be a priest and go into the house of God. And God told Israel, told Moses, take a rod, one represents each tribe, and put it in the presence of God. And the rod that sprouts, now the rod was a dead stick, by the way, but the rod that buds, brings forth blossoms, that's the tribe, the people I chose. And whose rod budded? It was Aaron's rod. So what did he tell you? He said, take this rod, put it in the Ark of Covenant as a constant reminder that only the Levites are the ones that would be the priests to offer up sacrifices as a continual reminder of that. A pot of manna and also the table uh, of the Ten Commandments. The tabernacle was also called another, uh, here's the verse on that, by the way, Exodus 38, 21. This is the sum of the tabernacle, even the tabernacle of testimony. It was counted according to the commandment of Moses. One more name, I believe it is, the tabernacle of witness. Again, all this is introduction of our study. Tabernacle of witness. It was the first called this over the issue who had spiritual authority among the Israelites. Again, this was when Aaron's rod budded. Numbers 17, verse 7. Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And, of course, God made Aaron's rod to come to bring forth life while the others did not, showing that Levites of the Aaron's family would be the priest. The tabernacle was a designated place. We've got about four of these, and we're just about done today, tonight. The tabernacle was a designated place. Look what it was designated for. Number one a place where God meets the sinner. The place where God meets the sinner. Exodus 25, 22. And there I will meet with thee, I will commune with thee, from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony. God said there I will meet. So there's a place where God meets with sinners. Number two, it's a place where God dwells with sinners. 
a place where God dwells with sinners. Exodus 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary. Why? That I may dwell among them. Interesting today, God does not dwell among us. God dwells in us. <laughs> what a privilege we have. They didn't have in the Old Testament. He dwells in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Number three, a place where God accepts the sinner. A place where God accepts the sinner. Leviticus 1.3, let him, talking about a sinner, offer a male without blemish, and talking about an offering, at the door of the tabernacle, and he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him. Interesting, in the courtyard of the tabernacle, remember the tent around all that, all, any Jew could come into there. But they only could come in there with an animal sacrifice. They brought the animal sacrifice to the first piece of furniture, which is called the brazen altar. At the altar, the priest would slay the animal and put it on there as a burnt offering. Then the Israelite would have to leave. Only from there, the high priest could move on to the tabernacle itself. Another place designated for the tabernacle, a place where God forgives sinners. How many God believe? grateful God forgives sinners. <laughs> By the way, that's me. That's all of us. Leviticus 6, verse 7, And the priest shall make an atonement for him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. All right. Tomorrow, I mean, not tomorrow, next Wednesday, let me give you a quick review what we're going to do next time we're together. That was just an introduction. And so we'll get more detail. We're going to look at the gate, the courtyard itself. I'll show you what I mean by that in just a moment. We're going to look at these four things next, next Wednesday. The gate into the courtyard, the courtyard fence, the bronze altar, and the brass or bronze labor. We're going to look at the gate itself. Now, if you look at it, here's a diagram again. This is called the tent around it. The gate comes in there. When you walk into the gate, the first thing you see is the brazen altar, then the brazen labor, then the tabernacle itself. Here's a picture that better portrays it. Here's the tent the, around, all around the fence around the tabernacle. Here's the gate. Any, all the Jew, when they sin, will come through the gate with an animal sacrifice to the brazen altar. There upon the altar, the priest would offer that animal for the sins of that individual. When the, when the lamb was slain, the individual would place his hand upon the animal in a sense to saying, this animal is there in my place to pay, pay for my sin. And the animal died in his behalf. Then, then he would, excuse me, let me go back. Then once he did that, the Israelite would leave. Once from there, the, high, the priest would go to the here was called the brass labor, where he'd wash his hands and feet before he could go into the tabernacle itself. We'll talk more about that next week. But anyway, we'll, we'll go into more detail next week and, the, and look at each one of these. So please come, and I'll try to make sure I have uh, notebooks for everybody. I do have something for you next week. I have it tonight, but I'll wait till next week to give you. I have a full diagram of the tabernacle that I'm going to give you next week. It's, each piece, uh, this goes right along with our PowerPoint. It has each piece of furniture, 
explains it to you in more detail. And if you come next week, I will give it to you. But listen carefully, please. These, the church paid for these are $5 a piece. We're going to give them to you free. But only if you determine I'll be here every Wednesday night during the study of the tabernacle. If you're going to come just next week and leave, please don't take one. This is for those who are serious and studying the tabernacle. So if you say, Pastor, I want to come for all six weeks, there's only five more, then I'll give you one of these next week, okay? All right, let's bow together for prayer and be dismissed. Father in heaven, we're so grateful of our study of this tabernacle and how we're going to learn so much about the Lord Jesus Christ, that the animal sacrifices that offered up for the sins of the Israelites was symbolic a picture of the one sacrifice Jesus made for us. It's amazing when John the Baptist saw Jesus approach him, he referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world, that he is our sacrifice. His sacrifice on the cross, once and for all, paid for our sin. Therefore, we can go into the very presence of God because of what he's done for us. We thank you for that. Go with us now our separate ways. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Here's a question for you. Remember Solomon's temple when Jesus Christ died? Remember in the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go in there once a year to offer sacrifice because the veil that separated that. What happened to the veil when Jesus Christ died on the cross? It was split, tore right down the middle. Why'd that happen? Because part of that, only the high priest go in there once a year. That means anybody could go in the presence of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, you and I have access to the very presence of God now. There's no veil to go through because the veil was Jesus Christ's body. His body was rent for us. And right now, Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly, what? Unto the throne of grace, the mercy seat. You have direct access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about that. God bless you. You're dismissed.